Hello, everyone. Welcome to a brand new episode of Opera After Dark. Hello. 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 Hi there. Uh, As we promised in last week's episode, uh, we're back with you this week to talk about a few more holiday favorites and also share with you some of our bloopers Mm. from some recent episodes. Uh, but yeah, what we wanted to talk about, at least I do, and, and I didn't really prep Naomi about this. Um, Don't worry, I got some tricks up my own sleeve. <laughs> this is great. I guess I guess first we should clarify, it is just myself, Kyle, and Naomi on, on the recording today. Uh, our dearest Elspeth is spending some holiday time with family as well. We both are soon to be doing as well, mm-hmm. um, so we miss Elspeth, um, but she'll be back with us uh, in our next episode. And yes, what I wanted to talk about today was why is it that we see the same titles popping up over and over again in the month of December and around the holidays? Uh, across many different opera houses, we see a lot of these same titles around this time. So yes, Naomi... Um, The first thought that comes to my mind is that a lot of these titles that we see around the holidays are family-friendly operas. So Mm -hmm. you've got your Magic Flute, you've got your uh, Hansel and Gretel. Um, I I feel like those are the most popular ones. Mm -hmm. Uh, We also have Bohem pops up around this time. I think maybe just because it's like snowy and cold. Well, I was I was wondering, like, is Bohème a holiday thing in New York, or is it a, a general like opera tradition that because it has Act Three is a very snowy act? It's supposed to be snowing. That's a good question. I think or happen in the winter. Does it also get hmm. played a lot other places around Christmas time or around the holidays, December holidays, or is it just just in New York because of the Zeffirelli production that's at the Met all the time with the beautiful snow. That very well could be the case. I, I think that's perhaps a likely reason that, that at least we're familiar with that, mm-hmm. um, having seen Bohem at the Met. So that answers that one. So it mainly just a New York thing having to do with the production. Yes. Although if anybody out there is listening and you feel like you're seeing Bohem pop up in other places, please let us know. Um on social media or send us an email. We'd love to hear about that. Yeah. But what are your thoughts on these other ones? Well, The Magic Flute, I think, is done as a family opera or reduced to a shorter version so that kids can make it through the length of the performance. Mm-hmm. And because families are are home together over the holidays and kids are not in school, I think that that's partially why it gets done so often over the December holidays and New Year's. Okay. Um, but I I think for Hansel and Gretel, my answer is only slightly more complicated than that. It, it also can be cut down pretty easily into a story that children recognize and that is family-friendly. But the overture I listen to all the time over the holidays and it has all of these great musical themes. So I've often thought that Hansel and Gretel is great for grown-ups too, not just kids. Mm-hmm. Um and one could say the same for the magic flute, though I think the magic flute is more associated with, um, because it's such a fantastical tale, it's mm-hmm. often 
the reduced version is perhaps not quite as complex as the full the full story. That's true. But, I guess you could yes. say also for Hansel and Gretel that I mean a big plot point is are the the two children eating a bunch of like sweets and goodies, right? Mhm. Yes. That is very much a holiday thing to do, eating lots of sweets and goodies. Yes, and making gingerbread houses. Mhm. Is a big holiday tradition for many. <laughs> so now we, now we have Hansel and Gretel, a cautionary tale. Yes, well, it is a cautionary tale. <laughs> you know, don't talk to strangers in the woods. Don't eat their houses. And right, you know, <laughs> and maybe just take it easy. Don't eat too much sweets over the holidays. Yeah, yeah be careful. Um, <laughs> also, the protagonists in Hansel and Gretel are children, yeah, so I think that true. that makes it very family friendly. Mm-hmm. But I also think that the music itself of Hansel and Gretel is just so magical sounding. Like, Mm -hmm. the composer, Engelbert Humperdinck, was actually very... It just sounds like he was a child at heart his whole life. Like, he, if you listen to the score, it sounds like the music itself sparkles and shimmers and shines. Mm -hmm. And I think that's partially why it's so strongly associated with the holidays, because, because the composer himself kind of captured that, the feeling of the holidays... In the music Mm -hmm. and I believe the story behind how it was created at all was that his sister um, had several children and so his nieces and nephews really liked putting on their own like family plays and puppet shows and things like that Wow and so his sister actually wrote the libretto for Hansel and Gretel initially as like a family play that they were putting on and then she asked her brother if he would write a little bit of music to kind of connect the scenes or give a little extra contribution to the family theater project. Mm -hmm. And then over time, as he contributed different parts to it, he just became so taken with the subject and with the whole idea that um, he wrote quite a bit of music for their little family theatrical production. And then at some point along the way, his family... Or his friends who saw it, you know, in their kind of homespun family theater production said, you know, you should really keep working on this music and flesh it out into a full opera. Wow. It would be really really brilliant. And so he did that. And so in the end, um, he did keep his sister's libretto. So his sister wrote the libretto for the opera and he wrote the music. I had no idea. Yeah. So I think even like the music itself, but also the genesis of it is so tied to kind of... Um, family time which most people have very fond memories of or most strongly associate I would say with the December holidays and so I think that it's kind of neat how the whole thing seemed to be born out of kind of family traditions and in the end it is a collaborative product between brother and sister so yeah wow, that's amazing i had no idea although i did have a feeling you would come through naomi i knew <laughs> i could just ask the question randomly and that you likely would have an answer oh i thank you for your confidence that's fantastic. in me well we have that tidbit another thing that i just wanted to point out that i myself forget about and i don't think that a lot of people know is that the opera de flittermouse Mm-hmm. is also, like, doesn't that take place over New Year's Eve? I'm pretty sure that the big party scene is a New Year's Eve party, and they actually have a countdown in the score, right? Right, I think so. It's like this whole masked 
uh, New Year's Eve party. Right, right, because I remember seeing it not on New Year's Eve and thought it was so funny when they do like three, two, one, happy new year. <laughs> what is it? Um, uh, drei, zwei, eins? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Very nice. Although I guess sometimes you'll see it in performed in English, right? Yes. I saw it in a production where the spoken text was sung, was spoken in English and all of the musical numbers were sung in German. But that's only because I saw it in New York. And so... Isn't the the main musical number that people really know from that, is it, is it Mein Herr Marquis or something like that? Yeah. Yeah. And isn't that the one they also call the laughing song? Oh, maybe. I don't know. Because she goes... Oh, yeah. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's too good. Yeah. <laughs> well, hey, we should listen to that. Yeah. <laughs> So great for the holidays who doesn't want to be laughing laughing their yeah. way through the holidays but there's a bunch of popular numbers in deflator mouse i think mm-hmm. that one's probably the most well known but it is an extremely enjoyable show yeah generally lots of waltzes right mm-hmm. yeah and Excellent. then there's that um that number where the the wife of the of the marquee she's like dressed up like she's from hungary Mm, oh, right, and right, she sings right. that that aria, trying to like convince everybody that she's like Hungarian royalty or something like that. <laughs> Oh! 
Everybody, everybody likes a masked ball. Oh yeah. I guess unless you're the, the king of Sweden, governor. Yeah, it of didn't turn out so well for him. <laughs> yeah. If you don't know what we're talking about, you need to go listen to the Unbalowi yes. Maskara episode. Yes, that was a good one. Um, spoiler alert: He did. <laughs> You're listening to an opera <laughs> podcast. <laughs> I know, right. Many people, many characters in our podcast don't make it, but this is a happy episode. Everyone's going to make it. Right, that's true. In Fleeter Mouse, nobody dies. Nobody dies. In, well, does the witch, yeah, the witch dies in Hansel and Gretel. Well, she gets turned into gingerbread, so maybe she just experiences a new chapter in her life. So. <laughs> she's she's yes. reborn as yes. gingerbread. After she gets pushed into yes. the oven. Isn't that nice? Okay, so I have now a question for you. Oh, no. Okay. <laughs> All right. So there is another opera that is often performed over the holidays, perhaps not quite as popular as Hansel and Gretel or the Magic Flute, but it is, I would say, more on theme when it comes to Christmas. Can you think of what it might be? In opera... That is on theme to Christmas. Shoot, the thing that keeps coming to my head is the Nutcracker, which of course is not an opera. Not an opera, but an excellent guess because it's another very popular Christmas thing. No, my question is an opera that is actually very strongly rooted in the Christmas... I would say it's Christmas adjacent, let's say. Christmas adjacent, but there's not direct christmas representation i would say that there is oh but perhaps the focus is slightly different Hmm. i feel like i'm really confusing you now no 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 i i I feel like this is something that i should know and i feel like when you say it i'm gonna go oh yeah but i i'm not i'm not feeling close i don't i'm not sure i think i'm ready for you to 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 reveal to give it away Although I'm sure, I'm sure, hopefully there's people listening that are like, oh, you idiot. (laughs) Well, I'll give you a hint. How about that? Okay. So the composer is Giancarlo Minotti. Oh, gosh. Not helping? Yeah. Nope. Not helping. All right. Well, the opera is called A Mall and the Night Visitor. Oh, you know, that one I have not seen. That one I'm not really familiar with, though it's a title that I know. It's It's a really great work. Like... I would say that it is a great mixture of kind of holiday feeling and um, good themes, but also some really like emotionally powerful scenes. Mm -hmm. So the story itself focuses more on the three wise men and the wise men visiting the nativity than it does on like the actual nativity. Okay. And it was commissioned actually by the NBC and performed on Christmas Eve in 1951 in New York City at NBC Studios at Rockefeller Center. And then it was broadcast live from that production onward. And it was actually specifically composed for television, which is actually interesting because that doesn't happen often with... Right. um, I don't know that I've ever heard of that in the opera world. Yeah. And it's... Something composed specifically for television. Right. Well, there's a couple that um, Benjamin Britten did with more television in mind. Like, I I could be wrong, but I think Turn of the Screw was first mm-hmm. imagined as a television. Or at least one. there's one of his operas that was imagined or conceived as something that would be better suited to television than 
live opera house performance. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, but this it is a rare thing in opera. And you can actually watch a lot of the broadcast for Amal and the Night Visitors, the original broadcast. You can find it online. It's really easy to find. Um, yeah, well, we'll we'll link to it in on on our website opera after dark all the social medias Mm -hmm. and so it's based on hieronymus bosch's the adoration of the magi Mm -hmm. and i believe that john carlo minotti was drawn to that particular subject because uh, he is italian and in the italian christmas traditions their kind of big day of exchanging gifts is the day that it's believed the wise men come. It's not really Christmas day. And that's actually something my dad always said, um, cause my dad's Italian and grew up in Italy. And so he always talked about how they didn't really do much on Christmas day other than go to mass for Christmas day mass, but their big kind of gift giving celebration was always on, um, the day that celebrated the adoration of the Magi. Nice. Yeah. I'm sure it was wonderful hearing him retell it when he said, you know, it was fantastic. I mean, Luigi was there, <laughs> Mario, um, Giordano, Giuseppe, everybody was there. How many more Italian names can you think of? Ricardo. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, I, th- I think that's all I got. Yeah. Well, Giacomo. Let's, yeah, I'll say that in the ballpark. You're close. a loose description of his his retelling yeah well that's fair that's also where we get the 12 days of christmas right it's the 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 12th day or that doesn't finish until when the the wise men were supposed to have arrived correct or am i off base really i i have no idea i did not know that i believe so um Mm -hmm. I, i could be wrong um this is not going to be fact checked and this is something that I think people generally know. <laughs> you know, we should look it up. Let's hear. I'm going to look this up. All right. Well, while you look mm-hmm. it up, I have in front of me a little write-up from Giancarlo Minotti himself. Oh, nice. That was in the original recording booklet where he talks about his inspiration behind creating this opera. So I'll just read it to you as Kyle does some fact-checking. Excellent. Because I think it it's a great kind of testament from the composer himself. So he said... This is an opera for children because it tries to recapture my own childhood. You see, when I was a child, I lived in Italy, and in Italy, we have no Santa Claus. I suppose that Santa Claus is too busy with American children to be able to handle Italian children as well. Our gifts were brought to us by the three kings instead. I never actually met the three kings. It didn't matter how hard my little brother and I tried to keep awake at night to catch a glimpse of the royal visitors. We would always fall asleep just before they arrived. But I do remember hearing them. I remember the weird cadence of their song in the dark distance. I remember the brittle sound of the camel's hooves crushing the frozen snow. And I remember the mysterious tinkling of their silver bridles. My favorite king was King Melchior because he was the oldest and had a long white beard. My brother's favorite was King Caspar. He insisted that this king was a little crazy and quite deaf. I don't know why he was so positive about his being deaf. I suspect it was because dear King Caspar never brought him all the gifts he requested. He was also rather puzzled by the fact that King Caspar carried the myrrh, which appeared to him as a rather eccentric gift, for he never quite understood what the word meant. To these three kings I owe mainly the happy Christmas seasons of my childhood, and I should have remained very grateful to them. 
Instead, I came to America and soon forgot all about them, for here at Christmas time one sees so many Santa Clauses scattered all over town. Then there is the big Christmas tree in Rockefeller Plaza, the elaborate toy windows on Fifth Avenue, the 100 voice choirs in Grand Central Station, the innumerable Christmas carols on the radio and television, and all these things made me forget the three dear old kings of my childhood. But in 1951, I found myself in serious difficulty. I had been commissioned by the National Broadcasting Company to write an opera for television, with Christmas as the deadline, and I simply didn't have one idea in my head. One November afternoon, as I was walking rather gloomily through the rooms of the Metropolitan Museum, I chanced upon the Adoration of the Kings by Hieronymus Bosch, and I was looking at it, and suddenly I heard again, coming from the distant blue hills, the weird song of the Three Kings. I then realized that they had come back to me, and they had brought me a gift. I am often asked how I went about writing an opera for television, and what are the specific problems that I had to face in planning a work for such a medium. I must confess that in writing A Mall in the Night Visitors, I hardly thought of television at all. As a matter of fact, all my operas are originally conceived for an ideal stage which has no equivalent in reality, and I believe that such is the case with the most dramatic authors. Wow, that's some good insight. Yeah. That's great. It's like exactly what you want as far as information goes. Yeah. Very nice. Well, I can tell you that I've been successful in fact-checking our 12 Days of Christmas, and oh, good. Thank- thankfully I did get it right. Um, so the 12 Days of Christmas that we know from the 12 Days of Christmas song uh, are the 12 days starting with Christmas Day, mm-hmm. or in some traditions it's the day after Christmas, which we lovingly know as Boxing Day. Boxing correct? Day! Naomi? Mm-hmm. Um, or St. Stephen's Day. And then it goes through to the day before Epiphany. And Epiphany is the celebration of the arrival of the wise men. Uh, it's Epiphany or Three Kings Day. And that's either January 6th or 7th, right? Um, yeah, actually, I think this year it's, or well, it would be the same every year. Um, it's the 5th. The 5th, okay. Uh-huh. Yeah, exactly. So hopefully that's the same tradition that your father knows i believe it is and uh okay fantastic well if not certainly somebody will let us know yes (laughs) but i think we should listen to a little bit of among the night visitors and one of my favorite arias is all that gold and it's a moment where um one of the characters is looking at all of the gold that the wise men have brought. I can't remember which character it is, but, um, and they're basically talking about how it's such an immense amount of wealth that they couldn't even imagine. And as they're looking at the gold, thinking about everything they could do with that amount of gold. And it's a really emotionally charged aria, I think. So here's a little bit of all that gold from Amal and the Night Visitors.
child they don't even know. Well, that was fantastic. Thank you so much, Naomi. I'm glad that you brought this piece into our discussion. Yay. I think it's a great piece. So, And something that, again, you probably will see it the most, if you can see it at all, around the December holidays. Oh, fantastic. Well, I actually have one more little fun tidbit to share. You do? I wow. do. So we've talked so far about holiday works that primarily link to Christmas, but as we know, there are many other holidays in December that are celebrated by different religions and cultural groups all over the world. And so there is actually another opera that I know of that is a fantastic opera celebrating Hanukkah. Wow, a Hanukkah opera. A Hanukkah opera, and it is by one of my favorite and most inspiring living composers, conductors, and women working in classical music today. I wait. Victoria Bond. Oh, were you going to guess? <laughs> I was going to say, I could guess. I know you love Victoria Bond. And what's not to love? Yes, what is not to love? She is wonderful. Um, and so Victoria Bond wrote an opera called The Miracle of Light. She originally debuted it, I believe, in... 2016 Mm -hmm. but it has been performed this holiday season and actually it connects with Amal and the Night Visitors because she had conducted Amal and the Night Visitors several times and that was what kind of inspired her to think of a storyline or an opera that could connect with Amal and the Night Visitors because mm-hmm. Amal is actually a one-act opera or a short opera. And so oh. it can be paired with another work to make a full evening. And so oh, that's brilliant. There's actually that's very a, smart. a quote where she says that having conducted Amal and the Night Visitors with the Chamber Opera Chicago since 2005, I wanted to create a similar piece for the concurrent Jewish holiday, a short work that could eventually be paired with Minotti's classic tale. Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah. And it's a great work. You can find little clips of it that she's posted recordings of it. So if you just go to victoriabond.com, you can find some excerpts from the work itself. So you can give it a listen, check it out. And uh, it is performed, I would say, uh, basically every year, I believe it's been performed during the December holiday times since it was created. And so if you just keep tabs on her via her website you'll probably hear about when it's popping up and where it's being performed well fantastic well with those little tidbits and some uh great fun holiday favorites we also want to include as promised some opera after dark bloopers from our recent episodes of the year so without further ado we hope that you're enjoying this holiday break Uh, We look forward to being back with you in the new year for many more episodes of Opera After Dark. And in the meantime, uh, take care of yourself and have a great start to the new year. Happy holidays. Yes, happy holidays. I'm Kyle. I'm Naomi. And this is Opera After Dark (laughs) in the most applicable sense. Bye, buddy. I hope you you find find your your dad. dad. (laughs) Finally, well-timed. 
Make it nice and juicy. Uh, while we're stopped, I'm getting another beer. I just okay. want you to remember me fondly. <laughs> Think of me. Think of me fondly when we say goodnight. Remember me once in a while. Please promise me you'll try. On that day, that not so distant day. Da -da 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 if you ever have a moment, stop and think of me. Not the not the best song in that. You know the role I always liked in that and wanted to do? Raul? No. That's the one I always wanted to do. Meg? Is she the one that goes, Christine? Christine. Yes. Where in the world have you been hiding? Really you were perfect. Yes, that's Meg. Wish I knew your secret. Who is your new tutor? Father once spoke of an angel. We can have a three-man phantom right here. We could. That would be great. I would like to be a phantom. Wishing you were somehow here again. Mm -mm. You guys, I want to see Jake Gyllenhaal on Sunday in the Park with George. That's exciting. I, I want to. That one time oh. when I hung out. You hung with out with Jake, Jake Gyllenhaal. <laughs> Can you get me tickets to Sunday in the Park with George? No. person who like for four months tweeted tweets where each each first word of the tweet was a lyric to um bohemian rhapsody okay. so like for like four months of like like every day every single day like did the tweet have anything else in it or was no. that it no it was like oh. completely random and like there was no way to like, it was like Scaramouche, Scaramouche. There was like one where it was like Scaramouche. Like, yeah, no, like literally, like it was somehow like she made it work. The people weren't like completely giving it away. But then like after four months, she's like, here it is. This is the greatest thing of all time. And like if you look through her four months of tweets, it was the complete lyrics to Bohemian Rhapsody. Wow. From somewhere from to LA Tokyo. To Tokyo. From LA to Tokyo. What were we talking about? <laughs>
Yes. Mimi's wearing a jumpsuit, which is not a wrong. I know. I saw. I know. I know. I love the jumpsuit. Okay. And now, since I was chastised last time, put a romper. Sweater. Oh, it's a jumper. (laughs) It's a jumper. (laughs) It's a jumper. A romper is a jumpsuit, but it's shorts. Oh, okay. Yes, they're horrible. Like babies wear. (laughs) (laughs) Kind of like a onesie. Anyway, yes. You know what is a crazy documentary? What? It's called Icarus. What is it about? It's about um, doping. Oh, you've talked to me about this in the Olympics. It is very upsetting. I bet it is. It is very upsetting. I highly recommend it, though. I will look into it. Terry told us to watch it. Fucking Terry. (laughs) It's really depressing. But so good. But very upsetting. Well, let's. Let's try, let's see how hard, I might just leave it with you and then you will be in charge of bringing it in and out of the scenario. Do you want to hear that song? I think I've, I think I've heard it before. Before. You haven't. Naomi. In not one, but two of his classes. Naomi. She sat in front of him. He switched seats. Name. Name she used sort of. Justin, what drew you to Naomi initially? We haven't listened to that sick. Well, they're emphasizing the wrong. Syllable. They're saying Naomi. My name is Naomi. What do you do, Naomi? That's true. Naomi. What the heck I gotta do to be with you? <laughs> What the heck I gotta do? Okay. Every time that you remember. <gasps> Bill Hi, buddy! Hi! Hi! Oh, he's so furry. Nobody knows! <gasps> oh, Bill <Bo. laughs> It. Hey, buddy. Bilbo, give him kisses. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> Bilbo, you're the best. Hey, buddy. <laughs> okay. Bye, Bye Bilbo. Bye. Bye. I want him to, like, bark on the podcast. Yeah. He's so quiet. He's quiet. Bilbo. Kyle. Do you want us to restart? Don't go chasing your emotions. Lay all your love on me. If you guys aren't, if it's not too uncomfortable, really, the more you lean into that microphone, Sounds good. Sounds real good. Hello. Not that. Not that. <laughs> Hello. Can yes. You hear me? That, that yeah? sounds really good. It takes away some of the echo. Yeah. Are we sounding super intimate? Here. That mm-hmm. makes us sound legit. Is this too close? It sounds really good, but you. Does it? Like it's hurting my neck, but I'll do it. What, what's, Here, I'll move this forward just a little bit. What's, no, no, no. Can I can. <laughs> <laughs> too close. Too close. Is this too close? <clears throat> but what's most important... This looks like it's too close. 
on the sound waves, it but sounds, I can't tell. It How sounds it like sound? it's too close. It might. It in, sounds like it's too close. In my ear holes. Are you? Sure? <laughs> what is most important? Are you sure? Positive. Dear yeah. Kyle. Yeah. You know the microphone. <laughs> it smells nice. Like it doesn't smell dirty. <laughs> what is most important? Yes. Is we're listening. Is that you do whatever you do is that it's consistent throughout. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So like where you're at right now. So I'll be right. like here. That okay. sounds. That like does this sound. This is good. This is this is optimal. I worry that I'm so close to Naomi because frankly. <laughs> 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 Frankly, I went for a very intense run this morning, and I did not wash my hair. Uh-huh. So I, I'm wearing a lot of perfume, and I'm just I'm worried that you're going to smell my hair, which smells really bad. I, I have an extremely it's sensitive really bad. nose. Oh no! And I cannot smell anything offensive. Oh, Yay. there you go. <laughs> there I you smell go. smells before they even happen. So and how, how are, do I feel about this perfume? Naomi, how are your sound waves when you guys are? Close in on the microphone. Um, they're pretty. They're pretty nice. Yeah, they're healthy. They're healthy. <laughs> yeah, I'm telling. You, it's a really. It's a healthy sound that I'm hearing. A healthy right sound. Now. Really good wine. No vocal fright. Do you know that Ana Rose is a dry, fruit forward, equality forward, and smart forward estate grown mastercraft in Pinot Noir wizardry. That's amazing. So well bodied and balanced. Ana wishes to join you often. In every season. Well, Enliven the lovin' with the chilled pink, happy think, year-round drink. Otto's constant dream. It never stops. That sounds incredible. They should sponsor us. They're in New Zealand, but they could still sponsor us. Do you know that since it's from New Zealand, you know who drinks that wine? The Hobbits. Hobbits, yes. exactly, mm-hmm. yes. Mm-hmm. Hobbits, Hobbits. I it's actually... Hobbit wine. Hobbit wine. Hobbit wine.